You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 13, A Geek's Guide to Super Bowl Commercials, with your hosts, Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode number 13 of the... Uh, episode number 13 of the Geek Watch podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, is Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Patrick. Happy Bar Mitzvah! Happy Bar... Oh, yeah, there you go. It's our bar... <laughs> It's our bar mitzvah. Well, our bar ba- mitzvah and our bat, bat mitzvah. mitzvah. That's yes. right, because we're both mm-hmm. sides. Well, of course, this weekend we had the Super Bowl, which meant that some teams played some sports things. Yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah, something like and that. And I understand there was pole greasing. Now, that is not as nearly as fun as it sounds. No. No, it's kind of dangerous. Yeah, yeah, pole greasing and riots and damage and destruction downtown because, yay, we won. We won. We won the wait, game. Wait, what? Of course, we had the Super Bowl, and the big thing about the Super Bowl is always the commercials. Yes. Uh-huh. The commercials were okay this year, but there were some really... Not as outstanding as they have been, but there were some very epic commercials that yeah. made me happy. For example, uh, Hellboy sold Tide. Yes. Yeah, I had to think about that one for a second yes. there, Brian. The, uh, yes, he did. And also the uh, sheriff in Stranger Things, which happens yes. to be... that's I see him as the sheriff in Stranger Things. Stranger, Stranger I know he's Hellboy. We we've haven't only, seen him there yet. No, we've only got to see the makeup test, just that one picture of him. We haven't got to see him move. We haven't got to see how he's going to present this character to us and freaking love Ron Perlman. So this is going to be something really surprised about. I'm, I'm not certain. Uh, I will say that that Ron Perlman likes the way things are kind of developing with this new movie. And so if he's excited about it, I'm definitely excited okay. about it. Mm-hmm. But there were certainly some geek-centric commercials. Mm-hmm. One of them that, I, that shocked me, that of course it was meant to be a surprise, but Netflix did a commercial <laughs> for the third Cloverfield movie, which they got as an exclusive and said, at the end of the game, you can go watch this movie. They just immediately had it ready to go. Really? I missed that commercial. Yeah, yeah for, I did not And now some people said, one. who've seen the, the third Cloverfield movie, they said, it's okay, it's not great. I, I know some people that like it, some people who are not so fond of it, but that's a pretty daring commercial saying, hey, you want to see a movie? Go well, watch it. Go watch it now. <laughs> now. We'll see this. Wow. On the other end, which I thought was kind of weird, is that Disney had two commercials for movies. They had t- another teaser for Avengers Infinity mm-hmm. War, mm-hmm. which is interesting interesting to me because you're going to spend that much money for a Super Bowl commercial and you're just going to do a teaser? Mm -hmm. That's it? Which, I guess if you make Disney money, you can afford to do that. Because they didn't just do it once, they did it twice. <laughs> because then they gave you a teaser trailer for Solo. Yeah, I was so disappointed in that teaser. Yeah. And, I, and I haven't watched the full length one yet. I understand it's out, but I haven't watched it yet. But that teaser was just, there was nothing of the main character. Okay, Han Solo is not like Jack the Ripper. We know who Han Solo is. It's not going to be any kind of surprise. And we didn't get any of him in the trailer. We just heard all these other voices. I'm so excited to 
see Lando and everything looks really cool, but didn't get any solo. Don't know anything about what he was like as a young upstart well, you know, smuggler. I will say, first of all, with it being a teaser, I guess they were trying to entice you to see the main trailer, which I did. When I first heard the idea they were going to do a young Han Solo movie, first of all, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about that because do we really need to know where Han Solo came from? They gave us three movies showing us where Darth Vader came from and how did that work out for you? <laughs> So I'm like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, the again, these are coming from the same people who gave us The Force Awakens. True. I don't know about the extended novelization universe. Do we have any origin well, stories about Han well, in the novelizations? We do, we do. I don't know how much of it is canon. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of the newer books, uh, like the Chuck Wendig books, are considered canon. Oh, wow. Okay. So they were trying to, once they got everything under the Disney banner, they wanted to get this stuff put together so that you didn't have all these different canons running around. They wanted it all together in one group and so that you could read the books and you weren't in like a completely different universe. Mm-hmm. That you were in canon land. So... Canon land. Canon land. Mm. But I did watch the new trailer and I have to say I'm not 100% sold on the movie yet. I'm certainly okay. going to go see it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how good it's going to be. One problem that I had, and I'm glad I'm not the only one who had this problem, is, of course, you know that in what we know so far of Han Solo's story is he got the Millennium Falcon from Lando Carissian in a bet. bet. Yeah, we don't know. And it wasn't supposed to be in the best shape when he got it. But when you see the interiors of the Millennium Falcon in Solo, it's like somebody stuffed a whole bunch of Star Trek into our Star Wars. Oh, uh-oh. Because mm-hmm. everything's so nice and new mm-hmm. and shiny mm-hmm. and white. Oh. That's not the Falcon. Yeah. Well. I've got to be honest, Brian. I think when it comes to sci-fi, my favorite types of ships are the very hand-cranked mechanical, the ones that I really think are from Pitch Black, that ship, and Firefly, of course. Everything. It's not pushing buttons. It's not verbal commands. You're reaching and you're pulling levers and you have to turn things and you have to have a mechanic there to make things work. And that's sort of my favorite and maybe even a little bit alien, but more so, I guess, the more modern ones that really thought this through and kind of just space junk thrown together and you have these challenges with oh, the ship. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the Nostromo from Alien. Perfect mm-hmm. haunted house in space. Yeah, I like that concept of the well-worn, well-used ship. Mm-hmm. And while I'm thinking about it, it's A-D-D, like the- but I've got to tell you this. Okay. Because I just got this news. It was just announced just a few hours ago since you mentioned Firefly. There are some new Firefly novels coming out. Oh. Then they're going to be canon. Joss Whedon is going to be Thank producing you, Mr. these Whedon. films. Yes. <laughs> I know there's going to be three books so far. So apparently we're getting more Firefly, at least on uh-huh. the page, on the, on yeah, the printed we, page. And, you know, we had the comic books, which kind of scratched the itch a little bit. Still, the, how much everyone mourns Firefly. <laughs> well, it just, it's like, it never had a chance. Yes. It never had a chance. Of course, we're going to get that. And so I figure while I'm thinking about it, That's... let me go ahead and say that. Like I said, I'm going to go see Solo. I hope it's mm-hmm. good. I'm not so sure about shiny, happy Millennium Falcon, right. but I'm willing to give that a chance. So Another teaser for Infinity War. It's not like they need to sell us any more on it. But, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> but there was sort of we're a rumor. See it. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of people looking under Captain America's armpit 
and they swore there's four people walking in a hallway. Captain America, you had Vision, uh-huh. and they were looking under his armpit, and they're like, is that Captain Marvel's uniform? They thought maybe this was oh, the Captain Oh, okay. But probably not. It's mm-hmm. probably a Scarlet Witch. But everybody was like getting really hopeful. And I can see where people would mm-hmm. look at that, and it's like, it does kind of look like Captain Marvel's costume, and maybe it is. But so far of what we've seen of Captain Marvel is the green uniform. Right. So if you're looking for red, white, and blue, and, and red, pretty, yellow, red yeah. and pretty yellow star, you're not seeing that yet. You well, know, so we'll here, get that. But. Well, here's the thing, though. Her movie takes place in the 90s, so it's a retro. Ooh. So it's possible that she's in the mm-hmm. red, blue, and yellow by the time Infinity War rolls okay. around. So it's, it's possible. You know, and talk about the comic book movies that are period pieces. The first Captain in America, first Avenger, a period piece. And at one point in time, our friend Kevin was talking about how Wonder Woman could be DC's Thor. And then when they finally got to make the Wonder Woman, it was like, no, Wonder Woman's really DC's Captain America at this point. Because they did it as a period piece. It was World War I. Not World War Two. As far as period pieces go, this is probably the most recent, right? In the nineties. It's kind of depressing to me as an old person <laughs> that the nineties is considered a retro. <laughs> you know what? I was I, I was alive then, so I lived through that. So I- <laughs> Oh yeah. And we did have an another Marvel commercial, even though, though it wasn't technically for the movie. There was a Lexus commercial with Black Panther and his sister. I did not see that. Yeah, <laughs> but of so course, I didn't watch people getting angry at me. I did not watch the sports ball game oh. uh, with all the commercials. I went back and watched them on YouTube and such. So I have, I've missed many, I'm sure. So of course, you can go on YouTube and you can stream all 100 of those commercials. So we saw the new Jurassic Park trailer and... And again, I'm, I'm willing to give that a chance. I, I wasn't blo- necessarily blown away by the mm-hmm. last Jurassic Park movie, although Chris Pratt was, yeah, he yeah. was fine in Excellent. it. Excellent. I mean, he mm-hmm. for what he was he needed to do in that film, he certainly managed to pull off what he needed mm-hmm. to do, and that was and perfectly fine. And I suppose fine. that, you know, the first Jurassic Park was so groundbreaking, so innovative. To keep that fire, the momentum of that, it's not necessarily disappointing, but plateauing. Oh, we see, what, what are we going to do next? Bigger and bigger dinosaurs? That's the sort yeah. of yeah, and it kind of leans more into the adventure side of things where Jurassic Park, the original, was a little more rounded movie. But then again, Steven Spielberg, he certainly missed in that franchise. It's, mm-hmm. it's, he's not the easiest act to follow. You're right. <laughs> so. There's some good commercials in the Super Bowl, but in the last couple of days, we've gotten a couple more trailers. I've seen the teaser trailer for Venom. There wasn't a, not really a whole lot to be said. You see Tom Hardy, and he's talking about dealing with inner demons. And I was talking to Kevin about this today, and I think the tack they're going to go with this movie is going to be, they're going to have Eddie Brock taking more of the Peter Parker role, where Peter Parker has the symbiote. He thinks it's just a, a sentient costume, and it slowly starts corrupting him, and he has to fight against this thing to get his soul back. That nobody's really going to know what this thing is. It's going to make Eddie powerful, but at the same time, it's going to start to slowly corrupt him. And he's either going to give in to it, or he's going to have to find some way to fight against it. Which is not 100% away from that character, but obviously it's cutting out a great deal of the origin of the symbiote. Not that I have a real problem with that. Tell the story you're going to tell, as long as it's a good story, it's a good movie. Of course, from the rumors we've been hearing about Tom Holland being on set, that Spider-Man will play a role in it. So I guess we'll see 
how that goes. The other trailer that I saw yesterday evening was for the season two of Jessica Jones. Oh, wow. Yes. I didn't even know that was coming up anytime mm-hmm. soon. Okay. Oh, yes. Some of the things that I saw in the trailer, we're going to delve more into Jessica's past, what it was that gave her her powers, because mm-hmm. apparently she was literally raised from the dead. As it said in the trailer, the powers were just a side effect of what they did to her, hmm. and that she mm-hmm. wasn't the only one. Okay. And it, I don't know if I necessarily want to spoil the ending. If you want, I will. Oh, it doesn't matter. I don't I don't care about spoilers. But. Oh, you don't care about... Mm-mm. Okay, so there's a scene at the end where where Jessica's looking down at Broken Skylight, and she hears something. She turns around, and there's this purple glow, and you see these two hands. Oh. He's back. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Kilgrave. He's such a good villain. Yep. (laughs) You have to bring bring him back. And there'd been a lot of talk that Kilgrave was going to be back in here. So I'm looking forward to seeing where that character goes, because he's, I think, one of the best villains in Marvel. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's uh, it's a Netflix show. But then, again, another of what I think one of the best villains in Marvel happens to be Wilson Fisk, Vincent D'Onofrio in Daredevil. Oh, uh-huh. He's amazing as Wilson Fisk, the mm-hmm. kingpin, because he's such a nuanced character. And I really have been liking what they've done with him. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any of Daredevil I haven't, no. Uh, I did know that Vincent D'Onofrio was playing that role. But no, I haven't watched any of it. Uh, oh, he's but he so does, good. He's he so does good. villains well. And this is a multi-layered villain. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not a mustache-twirling mm-hmm. villain at all. He's amazing. I think after we get done recording this, I have to show you at least one scene. Okay. That will just knock your socks off. But right. definitely worth a mm-hmm. check out. So there's a lot of stuff coming out. And next week, we got Black Panther. So uh, Black Panther is our Valentine's Day weekend? I huh. Think- yeah, there you go. Yeah, Black Black Panther and Fifty Shades. And Fifty Shades. <laughs> but uh, I did want to talk to you about something, and this is something that's sort of a carryover on last week. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of springing this on you, so my apologies. But okay. we were talking a lot about geekdom and fandom in general and how and sometimes the hipsters and, and, the, mm-hmm. and hipsters but specifically about how sometimes we're not as inclusive and i wanted to talk to you a little bit about your experiences as a lady geek i'm not the biggest fan of the term girl geek mm-hmm. be- even though it alliterates so nicely off the tongue <laughs> but nobody calls anybody a boy geek right you know what i mean mm-hmm. as a lady geek in geekdom have you personally ever been in a situation or generally ever felt like you were ever excluded out of anything or felt like you were you know yeah. what? I think I've been pretty lucky in the fact I don't think I've ever really felt excluded out of something by any like group. I do find, and this is in my life in general, I surprise people a lot because all you listeners who do not know who I am, the way I look, it has a very stereotypical connotation to it. I do surprise people when I use multiple syllable words and I surprise people when I know Shakespeare and when I know about, you know, many different things or that I'm well read. I also look younger than I am, so I can remember being in college, and we were in ceramics class, and arts was my major, so there were other people in the class just taking ceramics. Oh, I'm going to make pottery and stuff like that, and we were talking about fairy tales, and then the subject changed, and I mentioned, well, you have to look at the five basic elements of torture, and this one boy sitting across from me went, oh my god, you were just talking about Snow White, (laughs) (laughs) and now you're telling me that you know all about torture? I was like, I know the five basic elements, (laughs) (laughs) but so... 
as far as that goes, I am not surprised when I surprise people because people, they really do look at me like, how do you know that? When I was working with corrections officers and I was working with a Hispanic corrections officer and we talked about making tamales and he kind of looked at me like with quirked eyebrow, like, sure, what, do you know how to make tamales? And then I started describing how you make tamales and it's just like, what, how do you know that? And with your blonde hair and your blue eyes, how, you know, how do you possibly know that? And so I'm not unused to surprising people. And then with that, people are pleasantly surprised when I do know about things. And when I talk about Constantine and this one boy that I met, he was like, oh my gosh, you know about Constantine. So it has been more of a bridge for me to be able to reach out to people that maybe wouldn't normally look at me as a peer, as someone who knows on the inside with them. Certainly you've been lucky and I'm glad to hear that. Obviously, a lot of young women who are interested in these type of things tend to get written off. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, this is something, maybe they're into it because their boyfriend's into it. Because there's this strange, and this was something you were talking about on Facebook and something you posted on this sort of unwritten contract that whatever the boyfriend's into, the girlfriend kind of has to... Has, yes, has, has to adjust herself. Has to adjust to, herself to... Exactly. Yes, uh-huh. And with that contract comes the idea, well, if she's into video games, it's because her boyfriend's into video games, and she's really not into video games. She's just so doing it for she's him. She's just doing it for him, so mm-hmm. she's not really going to be that good at video games. Mm-hmm. Or she watches whatever television show, or she goes right. to conventions. She's the plus one. Mm-hmm. And my embryolic in her videos that she does, of course, she tries to rail against that type of thing because she's definitely a lady geek mm-hmm. and she's straight, and you know. She's so brilliant. And she's so brilliant. This woman is brilliant. Well, this woman is just, you know, brilliant. You know, she's yeah. uh, what a rocket scientist. I really don't. She's, she's a neuroscientist. <laughs> neuroscientist. I knew it was something like that. Which is, you know, she's when she's so in the. brilliant. She was called out by name in the Big Bang Theory and then eventually became a character in the Big Bang Theory <laughs> and was unique in all the actors in that when she talked lingo she knew what she was saying because she actually what does this mean yes she she knew exactly what all Mm -hmm. that meant because that was her field she understood it but i've been very mindful recently about women and people of color about how in geekdom they get the bums rush Mm -hmm. and especially now with the me too movement and just recently uma thurman came out about her experiences with kill bill Mm. And I love that film. I love what that film stands for. And now it's going to be very difficult for me to watch that film. Mm -hmm. Cosplayers get grief all the Mm -hmm. time. And just people reach and grabbing them just because they're showing skin, think that it's okay. Yeah, I mean, you, you you got that on that one side. And then on the other side, you have people saying, well, they're not into this stuff they just want to dress sexy people coming in and it's become all commercialized now you have all these booth babes and you have these scantily clad women what uh, is wrong with that what's guys <laughs> women if a woman just wants to dress sexy fine <laughs> yeah although of course if a woman wants to dress sexy that's not consent either. no uh-uh. cosplay is not, not consent. consent no a shift in paradigm needs to happen in the mindsets of yeah. everyone, because mm-hmm. we've got the people who say, teenage boys, they just can't handle themselves, so you shouldn't be alone in a car with them. So if we change the mindset to say, uh, yeah, yeah, they can control themselves, and then make, hold them responsible for right. that, it's like, no, you don't. Just whatever a woman is wearing, whatever she's doing, you have no right to touch her or yell at her for any reason. I mean, getting catcalled on the street. 
And I know this is sort of drifting away from geekdom, from but geekdom. I think, but at the same time, it goes in all walks of life. It definitely hits all walks of life. And sometimes we see the most egregious violations of a lot of this stuff at conventions. Mm-hmm. And that stuff has to change because the more we can strip that kind of stuff away, the better we're going to be in getting to the good stuff about geekdom and our fandom and the wonderful stuff that can be had there without all the BS that we're kind of dealing with. And to kind of end the program today's in this vein is, of course, it's February, but February is also Women in Horror Month. Is it? That's a. And for the most part, most people think about, of course, the horror writers like Anne Rice, Mary San Giovanni. Oh, I, that's uh, not where I went at all, Brian. I went to Janet Lee. I went to Jamie Lee Curtis. I went to, uh. Yeah. Well. I mean, there's a lot of great, there's a lot of great horror writers, definitely. And I, I think about the, the horror actors as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have great horror artists like Dina Warner. We have great horror directors like Jovanka Vukovic. Since February is Women in Horror Month, this might be a good time to think about a lot of the great things that women have given us in horror that people don't think about because when you think of women and you think mm-hmm. of horror, you think of the screaming. Queens, uh-huh. You think of screaming and running up the stairs instead mm-hmm. of out the door. What do we do now? But women have given us a lot in the genre. And this month is Women in Horror to appreciate the accomplishments of those who 11 months out of the year don't get thought of that much. So that'll be it for this week. Once again, Mandy, thank you for coming to the studio and uh, having having our little uh, weekly heart-to-heart. Yes. <laughs> and so until next time, for Mandy Petri, this is Brian Hatcher reminding you that everybody is geeky about something. Be proud of your geek. See you next time. Bye, guys.